What, what, what? Welcome to Healthcare Marketing Insights for the week of May 17, 2010, yo. I'm Chris Bevelo, president of Interval. We're the healthcare marketing agency that puts on the podcast. And I'm joined in the his house with their shizzle. <laughs> this is uh, Adam Meyer, design director at Interval. Jackie Ritako, account coordinator at Interval. Yo. What up? You got not, what up? That's the best you can do? What? What? Yeah. Is that what it's supposed to be? Mm-hmm. What? What up, home slice? No, that's definitely not it. <laughs> what up, home slice? <laughs> Two one homes. All right. Uh, healthcare marketing insights. Do we have some insights? We're always week? insightful. Are we always insightful? I'm not sure that's the case. No, you're right, I think. <laughs> we try. <laughs> we try. That I'll grant you. And I think we provide insights on a, a consistent basis over time. But there are definitely periods. There are peaks and valleys to our insightfulness. I'd agree with that. <laughs> yes. All right. So let's hope there's many peaks. Let's hope there are many peaks in your podcast today, young Szechuan. <laughs> Okay, let's start with what I know is your favorite topic. No, not healthcare marketing reform. <laughs> marketing measurement. This will be fun because I'm going to tie in video games to make sure Adam's paying attention. <laughs> yeah. But good for me. One thing that that uh, we talk a lot about what's in the book. So you know our book is out there, and I think it's a really important tool, and that is using control and variable testing to help try to determine cause and effect when it comes to marketing. So a great example is a lot of folks say that the best way to measure the ultimate impact of your marketing efforts is market share. So how much market share has your hospital, uh, your service line, whatever, gained in a certain time, and how much of that can you tie back to marketing? Mm-hmm. Right? Makes sense? Yeah. So the cause is your marketing effort. The effect is an increase in market share. The problem with that is there's a lot of things that contribute to market share increase, right? So uh, if you are, let's say you're looking at orthopedic market share uh, and you run a campaign for a year and you see the your inpatient market share for surgery, orthopedic surgery, increase 5%. How much of that can you tie to your marketing effort, how much of that is due to, uh, let's say, the economy got better. And so people Mm -hmm. have more, they're more likely to spend money, though that probably wouldn't impact. Maybe it would. Mentally, it impacts how people think. Uh, Maybe a competitor has lost a couple of orthopedic surgeons, so their capacity is down. Maybe you've opened up some new referral channels. Maybe you've fixed or enhanced your patient experience and word has got around and people are, word of mouth is driving people in. Uh, so the question is, how do you control for those variables to try to isolate the impact of marketing? So it's a really, really tough thing to do. Yeah. So here are some suggestions, and then I'm going to get to the video game, because I think there's a really <laughs> mind-warping way to think about this, too. <laughs> so some suggestions would be, first of all, <clears throat> try to identify all the potential variables that could have changed. So in that case, I just in that scenario I gave, there were a few. Mm-hmm. Uh, our recommendation is that you uh, try to list everything possible. Try to think of anything that could have impacted that market share number or whatever the metric is you're measuring. I'm just using market share as an example. Uh, so list them all and then try to quantify them the best you can. So in the example I just gave, 
if you can say, well, we opened, you know, we uh, opened up a relationship with a new referring group of physicians, and we can see that they referred in 200 surgical patients. So we need to take those 200 out of the total surgical patients that we got last year, and that knocks, you know, that helps us take that out of the equation. Right. Right. Sometimes this can be really tough to do. How do you quantify the impact of a change in the overall economy? Right. I don't know. Any suggestions, Adam or Jackie? That's a tricky one. Yeah. <laughs> you put on your Not off the top hat. of my head. No, it's tough. <laughs> but try. You try, to, you try to identify and then quantify these. And then, because it's difficult to do it, try to come up with different scenarios. So come back and say, look... We saw an overall 10% or what did I say, 5% in this scenario? Mm-hmm. 5% increase in market share in orthopedic inpatient surgical volumes. And we can knock out 1% because of this new referral channel that we've identified. We think that the economy might account for 1% to 2% of that. And we think that our improvements operationally might account for 1% of that. So basically, we think 3 to 4% of that increase are from these reasons. So in our scenario, our marketing efforts most likely had an impact of 1% on the low end to 2% on the high end. Mm -hmm. And maybe there's another variable in there. So you have have 1%, 2%, or 3% or something like that. And over time, you start using those kind of low, medium, high to try to give yourself a a little bit of flexibility because you're never going to be able to get it perfectly. Exactly, yeah. So that might be some advice. But here's the, here's the mind-warping part where you guys can actually speak. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm hoarding the microphone. So this is all about cause and effect. But what we're, trying to, what we're trying to isolate here is a correlation, right? We're trying to say the increase in market share is correlated to an increase in marketing effort. Mm-hmm. But there's a, there's, a cha- there's a problem with that sometimes. And Adam, we've talked about this before. Uh, and I'll use the the studies that show there's a correlation between video game playing, which I know you and I are fans of, and <laughs> violence in teenagers. So there have been studies done that say the more people play video games, the more violent the kids are. Now, that's the, that's the conclusion that they're making. What they're not considering in that case is that the correlation could be the opposite. It could right. be going the opposite way. In other words more violent kids are drawn to video games are drawn to violent video games. Right. Right. So think about that in what I just said. All right. We're trying to say that, Hey, we had an increase in market share, which was driven by an increase in our marketing efforts. What if it was the other way around? For example, what if the increase in your marketing results, let's say patient referrals is actually driven by an increase in market share. See what I'm saying? In mm-hmm. other words, more people are coming to us. We're not sure why, which is increasing our referrals. Right. Where you might look at it and say, hey, we've increased referrals. Therefore, more people are coming to us. How's that for another challenge? That is a mind warp. <laughs> <laughs> Does that hurt your brain? A little bit. You got nothing makes to sense, say? Makes sense, though. Yeah, it makes sense. It's mm-hmm. just another thing to watch out for, Right. Because it makes sense in the video game example. Right. Was this too big of an issue to start with right off the top? <laughs> We're all I just dive in right into space. the entree without any appetizers or anything? This is way I more have, than an insight. I'm a Girl Scout yeah. cookies here. 
This is yeah. This is more than a peak of insight. This is like an unscalable <laughs> yeah. cliff that towers over us, and we're unable to climb. All right. Well, well, let's see if people have any ideas on how to deal with that, or if mm-hmm. they've ever. I wonder if anybody's ever encountered somebody like a CFO who says, "You know, how do you know it doesn't work the other way? How do you know?" Yeah. I would hope so. If you have a smart CFO, isn't it? If your CFO isn't asking those questions, then get a bonehead CFO. A BCFO? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you have to be ready for those questions then. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. All right. So we have conversations going on link- in LinkedIn group and a Facebook group, and we just posted this very question to those. So if you want to you know, respond with some suggestions or further questions related to that, jump on which, which either one um, you're more comfortable with. Give us some feedback. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. How about the five-minute frenzy? Five-minute frenzy. That was exciting. I'm pausing there so Adam can insert his oh. awesome <laughs> five-minute frenzy. Oops. What's that called in, in radio world? A bumper? It's not really a bumper. That little piece of music. Yeah. Doesn't it have an official name? Yeah, it does. That's a good question. It might be a... Bumper is like the beginning and the end of a show. <laughs> yeah. Like our bumper is that. Right. Like whatever... At the beginning. All right. Whenever I hear bumper, I always think of Jason Lewis on KTLK with his Beatle bumper Fridays because he just plays Beatles all, all the time and before and after his stuff. But so, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure if that's what uh, the little break things are called. If anybody Hits, knows. jams, busts. I'm sure know. it's got an official name. I'm sure it does. I don't know what it is. Do you know what hand. it is, Jackie? No I clue. I probably should. Do. You have no clue? I've never even heard of bumper. So. I think bumper is just like, you know, like the bumper, the front and the end, like right. the car. Oh. That's what it is. So it kind of introduces and closes the show on radio. But who knows? Anyway, we got lots of feedback. <laughs> I'm going to call it lots because it was more than one person. We got <laughs> lots of feedback on the five-minute frenzy. People really liked it. So I think we should introduce that. Not every time. I don't think we should change our format, but uh, every once in a while. And we also uh, blogged about the same topics. So kind of recapped. Mm-hmm. The same topics in a blog format as we are wont to do. And we got a nice comment, a nice rich comment from Keith Jennings, who we have a running conversation with. And I want to read some of his, his comments. And he called him his sar- sarcastic but serious take on what we were talking about. So these were, the con- these were the issues from last week, if you remember. And we spent time talking about the whole bad bloggers, caustic comments. Here's what Keith had to say about that. People have been bitching about their local hospital since it opened. The only difference today is that hospital folks can hear and see what's being said. If hospital markers do rounds with patients, this shouldn't be a surprise. It is what it is, and nothing has changed. And he agreed with the advice, Adam, that you gave, which was it depends on the situation. If it's a blogger and you know yeah. who they are, engage them. If it's a blind, anonymous comment, don't um, stress it. Right. And we're going to talk more about that in a second. So hold your thought on that one. But that sounds... Keith tells it like it is. So I like that. Yeah. Uh, To that point, here's what he says about breaking down silos. Oftentimes you can't, not a marketer anyway. They lack the credibility, influence, and health system. The best advice for marketers is to learn how to work with them. Two choices are, one, do the best you can with what you've got, and two, leave. (laughs) Which is what you did, right? Yes. And it's my, I've joked, I've made, I've joked about it before on our podcast, you know, how do you, What's your solution to this problem? I think a few times I've said quit. The problem I'm not, is we I'm would not, have no healthcare marketers I, left in the world. I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm being sarcastic, but I'm not, you know, I'm, 
I'm not kidding entirely. Yeah, it's hard though. I mean, because everybody faces it, like you said. Right. I mean, and, 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 that, and that's not. That's, mm-hmm. It's not. You're gonna you're gonna run into a lot of these same walls in another industry. I mean, you're not. Right. You're not. You're not gonna save yourself from that stuff. These sugar like, walls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So Keith goes on. How do you how do you uh, convince leadership to do marketing or to pursue marketing in a more effective means? He's got some advice to read section two of Seth. Seth Godin's book, Free Prize Inside, which I have not read. Have you guys read that? No. Not that one. I've read Seth, other. His Purple other, Cow. Other, maybe. Yeah. Yep, that one. Seth Godin's. What's the yellow good. one? I don't know. He has one like every two weeks. I know. It was like one of his <laughs> earlier ones. It's got like a yellowish cover. I'll, I'll, I'll look it up. I'll I don't know. Uh, but the, the chapter's titled uh, Selling the Idea. The advice is spot on. Warning, it's hard, messy work. And then he says, does it strike you as ironic that professionals trained in the art and science of persuasion can't sell their ideas internally? Hmm. Yeah, and that's <laughs> a lot of that is kind of the hmm. cobbler with his own shoes bit. Uh, and, you know, we, everybody's guilty of that. I mean, we're our job is to help, you know, well, our clients market themselves, yet yeah. we bring in people to help our agency market itself because it's hard when you're in it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think part of the that's problem, true. I think... It, internally within within hospitals especially i mean i don't think you see this so much like within if you get into like insurance providers uh, marketing is a little more sophisticated and i think they have more clout i don't think that they have they have i'm sure they have struggles like every marketer does but i don't think it's the same as in like at a hospital if you look at a lot of hospitals who have had marketing in some form for a long time they might have had a department that at one point in time was pretty much a print shop like right. you sent stuff there, you had an idea for like a flyer that you needed done or a poster and you went to your quote unquote marketing people and they put it together for you. Mm-hmm. And you've got, you know, a lot of these hospitals are still kind of old boys clubs. It's, it's old school people who have been hanging around there forever. And while I think they understand that marketing today is more sophisticated or needs to be than it was, I don't think they necessarily view or value in many cases, unfortunately, their marketing departments on the level that they should. I think they still view them as somewhat of kind of a print shop in many cases. Right. And it's going to be very hard for somebody in a print shop to come out and sell their ideas when they have ideas. So I don't know. I think it's just inherent in our industry. I think it'll go away over time, but it's when these freaking old boys clubs, you know, retire quit beating around the bush (laughs) (laughs) no and it's a generational thing we've talked about that before um that you might need a generation of leadership to move through and you see that you see younger younger administrators and ceos come through that get it and physicians too i'll put them all in the Mm -hmm. same boat Mm -hmm. The, the younger they are the a the more likely they are to have come into the industry during the period when competing was taken for granted, mm-hmm. things like marketing and branding weren't necessary. If you came in before the mid-80s or even before the 90s, you came through a system where competition wasn't necessarily even thought about. Yeah, uh, We've had clients say, you know, we've never even talked about competition until recently. It's been a dirty word. Marketing is a dirty word. Yeah. So, yeah, it may take like that rollover of folk. Okay. <laughs> And then the last one was Keith recommended uh, a book called The Discipline of Marketing Leaders uh, when it comes to pricing. 
And he said, unless you have a clear operational strategy for becoming the Walmart of healthcare, and someone should and eventually will, healthcare strategists should focus on not remaining commodities. So in other words, he's saying, do you really want to talk about price, which is usually will force you into a commodity position? Yeah. Right? So great stuff from Keith. We appreciate that kind of feedback. And when people give it to us, we'd love to share it with others. So hint, hint, tease, tease, give us feedback. (laughs) Just know that we'll repurpose it, which, you know, I even checked with Keith. But if you're okay putting it on our blog, then sure you're okay with us sharing it. You've opened yourself to the world at that point. You have. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which brings us to our next point. Right? Mm -hmm. Which I'm going to, next point, point, counterpoint. You guys ever see point, counterpoint? No. So, point, I saw Point Break. No, not Point Break. Wasn't that the one of the surfers? Yeah, yeah. was it got Brody. Yeah. Nice movie. <laughs> Patrick yeah. Swayze. It was a great movie. Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze. Oh Here's a little trivia. Long hair. Do you know who yeah. directed that? The woman who just won Best Director. Really? The For Oscar. that? I think her name's, I don't know if it's Anne Bigelow, something Bigelow, Kath, Catherine Bigelow. Deuce Bigelow? <laughs> <laughs> the woman who directed The Hurt Locker directed Point Break. Oh, really? Yep. I have not seen the Hurt. Have you seen the Hurt Locker? It's great. I've meant to rent it. I was gonna go pick it Very up. Very good. Redbox. It kicks the living bleep out of Avatar, which I can't believe I've watched twice now. I, I saw it twice <laughs> in theaters, and I bought it on Blu-ray. Dude, Avatar is like one of the bad Star Wars movies. Not the good Star I, I Wars. I just bought all the Star Wars movies too. What was six the of them. first movie of the second three? The one that people just ripped, where Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> yeah, that the um uh something Sith. No, it wasn't Return of the Sith, was it? It was wasn't before it? that. Clones, Attack of the Clones, Return no, of the something like that? It was whatever it was. It was so one? bad. It was awful. That's yes. what Avatar is. It's beautiful, but it's the worst acting, the worst script. The story's fine. It's long. It's tedious. Well, I don't think you go to something like Avatar. You go to something like Avatar for the um, visuals. For two and a half hours of visuals? <laughs> I would. <laughs> Damn you. Well, anyway, this is perfect because this is what Point Counterpoint is all about. It's a, first of all, this is a shout out to Chris Boyer because him and I have talked about actually doing this, and we may do this what? on a podcast. <laughs> what, what, Chris Boyer, yo? <laughs> this is an old Saturday Night Live bit. Jane Curtin, Dan Aykroyd. So it would be on um, Weekend Update, which is, was around since the beginning, still there. But this was like a little bit they did where they would kind of take an issue and they would do Point Counterpoint. Mm-hmm. And the famous thing that they always did was Dan Aykroyd at some point would go, Jane, you ignorant slut. <laughs> and then she would say, you know, Dan, you pompous ass. But that's not what got famous. It was Jane, you ignorant slut. <laughs> Obviously. So Chris and I got into a point counterpoint about anonymity because we were talking about, we happened to connect and we were talking about the issue of blog comments or bloggers that are mm-hmm. anonymous or comments. And I said, you know, why don't newspapers follow the same rules they do with the letters to the editor? They take great pains to make sure that you give your information and they check it before they publish it. Why do they do that, but they allow any Joe Blow right. as sexy dog 42 to put whatever they want <laughs> on the comment section? Well, and, not, a, not no, a... I'll just wait before you jump in, Jane. <laughs> so, so I said, I think that's stupid and they should, they should just do away with that and that would solve a lot of problems. And Chris said, no, I think there's value in being able to comment anonymously, and we didn't agree on that. So what do you guys think? Well, to add to that, though, too, I think that since the since the, the Twitter craze kind of broke out, newspapers have gone a step further in turning that crap into news. 
like CNN does? Yes. CNN Let's is the poster Twitter child. Feed. Let's see what people are saying on Twitter. <laughs> you know, it's so far as being on their homepage. You know, it used to be, yes, the newspapers and news sites started to add comments after their posts, which was fine. A lot of times it was like on the same page. So you get to the end of the article and you almost couldn't help yourself but start to read comments. At least a lot of newspapers have started to move comments onto a separate page. So it's like it'll mm-hmm. just give you a number of comments at the bottom of the article. You can click it if you want to go read the comments. Right. Otherwise, you don't have mm-hmm. to be exposed to that crap. Right. But yeah, I mean, taking it that step further and making it like like asking the Twitter community what their thing is. It's like, come well, that's on. a totally different, that's a different, that's basically journalistic. Right. What would it be? Passing the buck. Right. <laughs> basically, I'm not going to do my job. I'm going to do my job of saying, let's see what a bunch of rubes are saying on Twitter. <laughs> well, because I, I'm I don't tuning think... into CNN to listen to what a bunch of people on the street are saying. I'm tuning in to hear like qualified. I don't think there's a, I don't think there's, I agree with Chris on on one hand in that I think there is value in people to be able to comment anonymously. Why? But there has to be... Give me a why. And you too, Jackie. I want to hear from you too on this. Let me put it this way. I I would almost rather not see the anonymous comments be something that are published to the world. If 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 I have a comment on an article and I want to share it with the company... Right. I sh- I can send them an anonymous message saying this is my thought on it. That company shouldn't then spew forth all of their anonymous messages they've received to the world because right. that's what they do when you leave comments open right. on your website and have no no and, and people aren't held accountable for what they're saying. Right. And that's the biggest difference I think between something like Facebook and not not that you can't create somewhat of an anonymous account on Facebook, but you know typically somebody on Facebook is tied their identity to their, you know, is tied what they're saying to their identity, their photo, their name. Um, so they don't necessarily, you know, they still get the, the crap, but it's nothing like you go to YouTube and load up any video, any video, unless it's something that was just uploaded and has no comments on it. But it's just full of anonymous garbage, just mm-hmm. worthless garbage. Well, what do you think, Jackie? I mean, do you have a strong opinion either way? No, I mean, I think the problem with an, a non Anonymity. 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 Simonin. Ambulance. What he said <laughs> is that the majority of it is usually bogus. Or, I mean, I think there's there's obviously relevant comments that make sense to be posted, but I think the problem is is the majority of them are just right. Well, the majority rant, of the relevant comments, yeah, right. the majority of the relevant relevant comments get buried in the crud. Exactly. And then you have to try to wade through that. I mean, you, there, there certainly are useful nuggets in there, but it's impossible to find them. But, yeah. but, and I agree with you. I mean, I think the comment section is laughable. I always go there for laughs, but <laughs> that's not a reason not to have anonymous comments. I mean, that somebody could say that's freedom of speech, and if you want people to, if what they say is crap, then who cares? And I, and I don't care. I don't see the value. What is the, other than the situation you gave, and that's what, Chris and I talked about in a whistleblowing situation. If I want to call the cops, if I want to call a government regulator, if I want to call a hospital mm-hmm. and say this doctor was a jerk, but I don't want to give my name, that that's fine. And then the hospital can do what they want to with it. But if I put that out on public, I guess my my perspective is if if you have something to say that you think is important enough to say in public, you ought to have to put your name behind yeah. it. Otherwise, it makes you really sit down and say, is this worth putting right. out there? Right. And, and there's no legit? way to judge what's true and what's not when there's not a name by because how can I qualify the source? Right. And that's the problem. I don't the even problem know the source. Yeah. With anonymous posts. Yeah. 
you would cut down on all that vitriol because you know that 90% of the BS that flies in those things would not happen if people had to put their names behind it. Mm-hmm. So well, that's true. I still have yet to hear from anybody why, why that's important for society, why, you know, even if it's not important, why it should be protected. You know, like people talk about protecting free speech you have to. That means you have to protect free speech. The Ku Klux Klan can say what they want. Nazis can say what they want. I agree with that. I mean, if if they're saying what they want, then that's free speech, and we right. have to protect that, even though we don't like what they have to say. Because yep. as soon as you start trying to qualify it, then who decides what's okay to say and what's not? Yeah. But this is different. This is, you know, there are places where you can't say whatever you want can't yell fire in a theater right so right. i don't see an anonymous post being a free speech deal necessarily right but you think if they put their name by it and it's still i mean i suppose how do you know that's even their real name i mean do you think that that makes it more legitimate or do you just think the whole it, comment section no it doesn't make it more legitimate it could still just be some well, weirdo I think, but but right. then at you're least you know s- it's a weirdo i don't well, know who that, it is, and that I don't care. and you're just simply not going to see right. the quantity if people, the only reason people put the crap up that they put up, ninety nine percent of the time is because they don't have to put their name by it. Yeah, right. Once once people is once your name is married to your comment, people aren't people are not going to put up what they put up. Plain and simple. Yeah. So. Yeah. Now is is it bad to have it out there? I don't know that it's bad either. Um, it surprises me. There's not more lawsuits. That there's not more slander. Um things coming out of this because people say some awful, awful stuff. Yeah. I'm a big fan of um, user-moderated commenting systems where I think dig.com is a pretty good example of that or a decent example. There's some gaming resources that I won't even reference because nobody would have any need to go to them, <laughs> but they're the same way um, where you are allowed, you, know, you put up your anonymous comments but the community then moderates them with a like a thumbs up, thumbs down type situation, or with in the case mm-hmm. of like dig dot com, you you dig it or you bury it, just like you dig or bury the the articles that are submitted. You dig or bury the comments that are submitted. Um, if somebody puts up something stupid, the community is going to bury it. It's going to go down. I mean, sometimes there's stuff that goes up that is stupid, but it's you know humorous at the same time. So maybe that's get gets dug up or something. But um, it's just kind of the nature of the beast in that case. Most often, though, the really wor- the worthless crap gets buried by the community, and I think um, I think a lot of a lot of websites that take that public forum that that anon- allow that anonymity would benefit from allowing their users to moderate some of the the BS that's up there. Mm-hmm. Well, and maybe that's the end point of all this is that it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really hurt. You know, it can hurt people in some cases. That's why there could be slander. But having all this junk, garbage, and comments, most people know it's junk comments. The, the trouble in our, in our world is when a CEO sees it and freaks out. Yeah. You know, and they don't, for whatever reason, they take it personal. Uh, they don't understand the context. They don't understand. And it's not always a CEO. I shouldn't put it on them. It could be marketers. It could be anybody in the organization, a doctor. Um, and they want to react to it. And you... You just want to sit them down and say, "This is, this is just your the, battles." It'd be like going into a a, a bar a Saturday at twelve thirty at night. You know, everybody's drunk. They're doing <laughs> stupid stuff, and you walk into that and you go, "Oh my gosh, this person said something." I'm taking offense to that. I mean, 
people know that you go in there and, and that's what you expect and you wouldn't mm-hmm. you wouldn't you know hold people to the same level you wouldn't care about it because they're just inebriated and this is just inebriation <laughs> by anonymity right yeah, yeah. they're yeah. drunk on being hidden right so if right. you could just put it in that context and go well you know they whoa <laughs> <laughs> if they the problem is it gets broadcast everywhere I, I think that's why they freak out but yeah whatever anyway so if somebody can make a strong argument for anonymity please let us hear it yeah I think the strongest arg- argument is who cares, right? Right, right. And like we said, I, so. I don't think any of us here has a problem with people having a channel in, in which to, you know, being allowed to communicate with something anonymously. It's just the organization then spewing it back out. You know, our problem isn't with anonymous communication; it's with why the hell would you then broadcast that to the world? Right. Right. What's the value? Blah, blah, blah. But again, why not? I guess. I guess you would just save people the headache, but there's a lot of other headaches too. So, all right, let's, let's, let's end our point counterpoint there. Let's end the podcast there. Okay. Let's end the day there. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So for healthcare marketing insights, this is Chris Pevelo. Adam Meyer. Jackie Ritackle. Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you next week.